Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 rolls on Friday edition. Second hour is here. About to preview Tennessee and Florida with VolQuest.com's Austin Price as they get set for Gainesville. Tomorrow we will be live, Chad. Outkick the tailgate live at Vanderbilt. Vandyville is where we'll be. Lot two. Getting it going. 8 to 11 a.m. Central Time. Looking forward to it. Jill Savage in town to host. We have got some really good guests I don't know when we're going to tell you about those guests, but when we do, they're out. you're going to be happy. You're going to be they're happy out. to hear our guests. They're out. It's out. It's been revealed. Let everyone know who we have tomorrow. It's don't been be out? Shy. It's out? It's on social media, yes. We will have Warren Moon joining us live on set tomorrow. Uh, the great Hall of Famer. Uh, this is one area where I do celebrate Titans Oilers history. Uh, it's because of the great Warren All Moon. All of a sudden. And uh, Warren Moon will be joining us tomorrow on site and... Uh, I don't know that we can announce anyone else yet, but there's going to be other guests. We welcome in our next guest, Austin Price. You can follow him on Twitter at Austin Priceless. Headed to Gainesville, Florida and Tennessee. Austin, hope you're doing well, man. I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Maybe we have him muted or he is muted on his end. So we will go back can to you him. Can you hear me I now? Bet he's not. <laughs> I feel like Austin does this so much. He's even got his own if, light. If he's not muted, we can't like hear him. So we'll have to just go back to him momentarily. Yeah, we'll get back uh, with him here. As far as hype goes, Chad, where would you put this year up against other years with Tennessee, Florida? Oh, it's been about the same as always, to be quite honest. The, make you sad. the last time I can remember legit hype around this game was 2016 uh, because that was the, that was the one – where Tennessee had to win. I mean, if you're not going to beat them this year, it's never going to happen, right? That was that season. They fell behind 21-0 or 21-3 in the game and came back and won going away. Uh, that's the last time I can remember actual hype on Tennessee side or Florida side, for that matter, uh, around this game. And I think this one, it's not, it's not more or less hype. If Josh Hype will get something going, you know, maybe we're a year or two like away it. from uh, this game actually having hype around it, but it's, it's not this year. It just feels like a game, right? It doesn't yeah. feel like Tennessee-Florida. Well, it feels like, to me, uh, for Tennessee, just an opportunity to show that you've improved from last year, right? I mean, that, this was a game that Tennessee actually played pretty well in a year ago in December, late in year. This was Harrison Bailey played start to finish, and Tennessee did some things offensively. Remember, J.T. Shrout came in the game late and threw two touchdown passes, against that great Florida offense. Florida's defense last year was not good. Uh, this is a, a very different Florida team. And look, it's a very different Tennessee team with what they're trying to do on offense. So I, I think more than anything else, there's not hype around this game, but there is another opportunity for Josh Heupel to go show something. Chad, I know we throw out here, or we should, uh, the run defense against Bowling Green and Tennessee Tech. They, they defended the run pretty well against Pitt. Florida's running like crazy. They ran for 244 yards against Bama. They've got three backs averaging over 5.8 yards. Both their quarterbacks have run for over 230 yards. One of them didn't play in a game. 
What's your level of confidence in Tennessee's ability to slow down Florida running the ball? Well, if they can if they can do anything against Florida's ground game, then this run defense is actually legit. Right. This is this, this is, is where we'll know. This is where we'll know if 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 it's if it's simply Bowling Green and Tennessee Tech and a pit team that does not have a great running back, or if it's Boy, Tennessee does have a lot of veterans on the defensive line, and they're going to be good against the run all year. If they're good against Florida and their and run they're game, good. they're going to be good all year. So I, I think this what is were you expecting coming into the game for them. I was expecting Tennessee to have to uh, uh, beat teams forty-one to thirty-eight, you know, consistently. I, I think the defense has been a little bit better than I expected. But again, you know, the one legit offense they played was Pitt, and and they still surrendered forty-one points in the game. Right, some of that was set up by turnover, but um, it, Florida is such is so different in how they run it because with the teams they've played so far, there's been no true dual threat, and Florida's going to throw two dual threats and Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson at Tennessee's defense. It's going to be much more difficult. And you mentioned those 240 plus yards against Bama. It was over seven yards of carry. It's crazy. It, is what's crazy when you look at that against Bama's defense. By the way. Bama has struggled on defense some recently. This is a Bama defense that returned more starters than any Bama team since 2016 that Tennessee, or excuse me, Florida racked up seven yards of carry against. They can run it well. They didn't return those starters because people weren't getting drafted. We know that. Are we going to get to talk to Austin NFLU. I don't know. I have not, not heard one way or the other on that. Thumbs so. up, thumbs down, guys. What are we looking at? Yeah, no answer. Okay. So we'll, right, uh, we'll Thanks. just we'll carry on. Playing, guys. Appreciate Austin, it. if you're listening to us, we'll get to you momentarily. We love you. Um, we miss you. I'm surprised so that Austin and Brent we should, don't travel together. We should just, uh, you know, they do a, a podcast of Volquest, which is very good. We could just shut down this feed and just allow Austin just to give a, a monologue for the next 15 minutes on the game. From behind the wheel. Himself. I think that Austin should do something. He was so good driving last time that we talked to him. We could, he could call it behind the wheel. He was doing such a good job with it. I didn't think he was driving. I was making fun of him for sitting there in a parking lot in a parked car with a like seatbelt on, like and he, he was actually driving. I felt like he parked at the end. It was, it was a great job. I thought we got like 12 minutes of driving and three minutes of parking. What, what, did, what did you think, Hud? Never even knew that he was driving is the amazing part. That's very smooth. That's a, that's a commentary on the beautiful scenery in Knoxville area in the background. Well, and look, with Tennessee, and we're going to get into this with, with Austin today, uh, the two biggest stories this week, it's not Tennessee and Florida. The two stories that happened. It's buying out Army and the reaction to that, and it's Danny White's season ticket plan uh, where he's changing everything about how you pay for season tickets. And it has angered some old-school Tennessee fans because now they've got to suddenly pay more. But for most of the stadium, you're paying less. You have to give a donation to the – but now you – before you could specify, I'm going to give money to football, basketball, baseball, whatever. Now it's just a general donation to athletics. Yeah. And, and some of the examples they laid out at VolQuest were interested where... What's the beef with that? The, the basketball team doesn't get big donations, you know, even from that. So now they can spread the wealth a little bit more. But it, it's, the beef is these grandfathered-in ticket arrangements, I mean, there are contracts, you know, signed on napkins with people back in the day that they've deferred payment for years because their great-grandpappy... Paid so much university back in 1956 oh. or whatever it may be. So now some of that's being reworked. I love old deals with Meemaw. Yeah, that's what, that's what we're looking at with that. Where does Tennessee actually hold the edge in this game? Distance traveled. Mm, oh. 
Like, I, I, I was thinking about this last night. I can't come up with an area where I think Tennessee is better. That's, that's the alarming part. Well, and I would say, you know, most years you would say they're run defense against Florida rushing, but that the Florida team this year is so different. Last year that was a pass-happy Florida team that rarely ran, and that would be the one advantage if looking at that, but now they run all the time. So, no, I don't think Tennessee has, has a single advantage in this game. Uh, so maybe the kicking points, game. 18 points is right. Maybe the kicking game if Paxton Brooks is healthy at punter. What would be one advantage? So Chase where, McGrath has looked good. He's been solid. I don't think he's missed a kick yet. Maybe one. Uh, the transfer from USC at kicker for Tennessee. So take your heart out of it. Where would you be going with that spread? Oh, I'm, I would go Florida. I mean, I, I said that earlier this week. I don't think this game's. I don't think it's a game at halftime because I think it's a game where Tennessee's going to try to play super fast, and you're going to have to hit some huge plays early on drives to continue to play super fast. Super fast against Florida has to be a 20-yard pickup on first down or early in a series, and then you start going fast. Then you have guys sprinting up to the line when Florida, they're all getting up off the ground, not even ready for the next play. That's where Tennessee could start to run it fast. It's going to be difficult, though, against this Gators. I, you know, I, I want to see the up-tempo. I'm all for it. But there, there will be times in this first half where they just cannot afford to go and turn the football back to Florida in two minutes, right? You can't have the two-minute possession. And not two minutes off the clock, a literal two-minute possession of, of actual time elapsed on, on my stopwatch. Like that, the, the quick three and outs don't serve them whenever Florida's you know, scored 10 straight in a situ- situation where they get a turnover and a quick score and the offense gets the ball back and you just need to settle down a bit. Well, and Dan Mullen said it this week, the biggest challenge for Florida is to not come out and act surprised about Tennessee's pace. That they've worked on it, They've shown film. They know exactly what Tennessee's going to try to do, but there are times where your team still takes a little bit to get accustomed to it. Because when you're doing it at that, what we saw, especially in that Bowling Green game, we're there in the stadium for that first drive, and everyone is saying, wow. I mean, they're, they're not messing around. They, they, the ball is barely set by the center when they're snapping it again. That is difficult to prepare for. Because if you're not doing that every day in practice, you can't simulate it because your scout team isn't equipped to do that at that rate. So there is a, a, an adjustment. But, I mean, for Dan Mullen, you know, he said basically it's we just can't act surprised because we know what they're going to try to do. See, I think it's over. I, I plug into kind of what Hutton's saying about this pace thing here because if you stop them on the second or third, third down even, then the pace doesn't matter anymore because you've stopped them, you know? Uh, the pace only matters if they keep getting first downs with the pace. Then the pace becomes a problem. But if they're going really fast and they get one first down and you stop them on the second, third down, well, so they went fast and they got a, a six and out. So what? Well, I'm like, if I'm they, conditioned you know, enough to withstand that. If they have a couple of three and outs where they're playing fast and they're, you know, they have 42 seconds, then you're second serving me well. Yeah, I mean, if, but if that happens, then uh, it's what Hutton said earlier this week. Then you have to readjust and start playing a little bit slower. Which it doesn't sound more like he's willing to do, which is what Hutton's been I mean, I, bang, I think, banging the drum on. I, I, don't, I, don't, I disagree with that because when Hendon Hooker's been in the game, it's been a totally different pace. This is the knock on Hendon Hooker versus Joe Milton. Joe Milton, Can for his faults of throwing the ball deep, he has them playing faster. Hooker so I don't know if it's a grasp of the offense, if it's shouting things out quicker and getting guys lined up, actually asking for the snap quicker or whatever it is, he does get the offense moving a little bit quicker than Hendon Hooker. And I said it yesterday, I'll say it again. 
I'm expecting Hendon Hooker with these quick read screen plays. Florida's going to be ready for that. To jump. Kyer Elam, someone is going to jump one of those for a pick. I'm going to be really disappointed if that happens because it seems like you're saying to be such an obvious route to defensive success for Florida. So Hooker's got to be on alert for that, not let it happen. And his coaches have to have been on him all week about not letting it happen. And also, everything in Heupel's offense is a setup. It's all about setting you up for the eventual big play. We've seen this already with this Tennessee offense. When there's pass interference called, it's typically because Tennessee hits uh, three straight four-yard outs that on the fourth one is an out and up, and the guy can do nothing but grab the receiver because it's going for a touchdown. I like that. If not, it's all about that. So the key then, Paul, is don't get picked off in the setup. <laughs> right. Because that little scr- that snap, boom, pop out, you got a guy running on a, on a wide receiver screen, you do that a couple times, if you get Florida guessing wrong on the right one, they're going deep to someone. We've yeah. seen it also with tight ends. They like to fake that pop pass screen and then they've got Jacob Warner, Princeton Fant uncovered down the seam at that point because everyone's focusing their attention to that side of the field. Yeah. So that, that's where Josh Heupel, to me, the, it's very simple in the way they run the offense, but it's all just you're basically wearing down the defense where they're getting used to one thing and then you're doing something completely different. So don't get burned on the checkers element of the chess match. Yes. There is a, a player that I noticed against Tennessee Tech that I hope to notice – Tomorrow in Gainesville for the Gators. That's all straight ahead on Outkick 360. We are back. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network, which includes on radio in Florence, Alabama, Fox Sports Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Huntsville, Fox Sports Knoxville, and of course, at Outkick.com is where you can find the podcast and wherever you download your podcasts all weekend long. Austin Price is with VolQuest.com. We'll try this one more time. Austin, let's see if we can hear you. Can you hear me now? Don't hear that. Just hear music. So uh, we will. <laughs> Tears for fears? Yeah. yeah. It's big in the 80s. <laughs> We'll, we'll, uh, I went to high school dances to that music. Hopefully we'll have Bobby Carpenter on in an hour as well. Uh, that He is scheduled to join us uh, via Zoom. He may need to uh, drive down here from Syracuse. I'm shocked that Austin and Brent don't travel together. I, I thought they were tied at the hip. I, I sense, Brent is with the Vol Network. I sense some uh, genuine disdain between the two, quite honestly. <laughs> yeah. I think that they just I, Enough's enough. Uh, you go ahead. Yeah, I, I'll see you down there, maybe. Hutton's right, though. Brent yeah. is probably traveling with the team. I wonder if it's like you and I didn't travel. I wonder today. if Brent's going to VP tonight, Hutton. A week, one, oh, exactly absolutely! One week absolutely after we were at VP, he went there last night. I wonder if he's going. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he's headed down there tonight. I'll text him right now and ask. Yeah, let's find out. Let's get the. Did full you guys Brent go? Hubs How good was it? It was great. It yeah. was really good. It was awesome. Like on the scale of the best pizza you've had, it was maybe it's because it was the only good thing about Gainesville, Florida that I experienced. You really hated it. That it was that it made it that much better the pizza because everything else I wasn't a big fan of, but it was the pizza was terrific. How close did you come to Gator? And it was Trump? right when we got there. I we shouldn't ask pizza. you. How close did he come to Gator, chomping? I'm not even close. No. no. Because yeah. we weren't close to the tent. He didn't tank. even clap his hands at all. Well, we weren't, you know, if <laughs> his I, hands didn't touch. Also, if I'd have been in the stadium, you know, it would have been more of a pool with the noise and everything. Like, I would never root for either of right. those teams. 
but it would be one of those, boy, the, the energy's really bringing me up where I, I want to cheer for Florida. I heard when you washed your hands, happened. you washed them separately, didn't let them touch, so lest it be mistaken for a gator chomp. Uh, in, our, <laughs> in our Airbnb, we had to wash everything thoroughly <laughs> before leaving. Yes. Including the with disinfectant, including the blood stains on the hardwood floors. <laughs> so it was as good as you expected, based on the proximity yeah. to campus and the availability. Based on the two hundred and seventy dollars I, I spent on it, and everything else is going for over a grand a night. Yeah, I, we got what we paid for. Excellent, Chad. Saturday, Valus Jones. I forgot he was on the team, and last Saturday he made a catch. Why are they not targeting him more? Well, he's been really good on special teams. He, he needs to be their punt returner and kick returner. He had a 41-yard return against Tennessee Tech. He did some things in the return game against Pitt also. He's a guy that he's got a, a pretty special ability to, to do something with the ball when he touches it. I think we're going to see more of that. I know that he had the, the soft tissue injury uh, for the first couple of weeks of the season. It seems like they're kind of easing him back into it. Theo Jackson was punt returner to start the season. Now they're getting him more reps at punt returner. I think he can be a weapon on special teams for Tennessee. It was a really nice catch and run against Tennessee Tech where he made a guy miss and ends up diving into the end zone for a touchdown. I think we'll see more of Ailish Jones. But I'm with you, Hutton, that I'm a little bit surprised we weren't seeing more early, but I think part of that was due to an early season injury. Are you surprised that we have seen more Walker Merrill than what I didn't think we'd see him on the field as much as we have. All due Personally. respect to Walker Merrill, um, I have thought that way about Walker Merrill since high school. I heard so much about Walker Merrill. He is a big at part Brentwood of their plan. High school, but he was always. This is no fault of his own. He was always injured. I felt like. Yeah. He, yes. He and was. he just the the production in the high school Hamstrings. wasn't there. But everyone. I mean, not just Tennessee. Most of the SEC recruited Walker Merrill and wanted him badly. He goes to Tennessee. Hutton, he's the receiver we've been hearing about all offseason as being in the plans, and he made some catches mm-hmm. against Tennessee Tech. So, no, I, I'm not surprised that Walker Merrill's getting some run as a true freshman at Tennessee based on what people see from him in practice. Again, it was the injuries. I just, it was the injuries at Brentwood. He's got some speed. Uh, he's got some elusiveness to his game. But now that he's healthy, I think, I just think know, we're going to see more and more of it. It's him. kind of a weird rotation, though, right? Like, did, he's starting, and yet Valus Jones is not getting targets. Well, go look at the snaps for all those guys. None of them are getting more than 19 or 20 Who is snaps. their best receiver? Who's their best receiver right now? Or, TBD. Or yeah, right now, going, going to Gainesville. Like, I don't, I don't, I think you could name Cedric Tillman. It's just. Which is shocking. Yeah. Cedric Tillman's the guy who's always open. He's the one getting behind the defense somehow. I think he's been their best receiver. Jalen Hyatt should be the best receiver. He's had a very shaky start yeah. to the season. Again, he just he plays light. He's very thin, but the way he catches on the drops and the way he gets hit at times, he just plays small, I feel like, uh, for a guy that's rangy. But yeah, he's... Um, uh, look, I, I think ultimately Jimmy Callaway should be a guy that's going to be a very good receiver for Tennessee. He had that great catch on the screen pass and, and long run against Pitt. You would think this offensive system would allow one of those guys to take a huge step forward. Is it fair to say, like, look, I, I don't want to harp on the overthrows, but the overthrows have been a factor yeah, that's in the a f- receivers not being able to establish who's that good because they've been open but not had balls No, that, That's fair. Um, I don't know. There just has not been much consistency to the – 
to the rotation from the jump and with, I mean, yeah, you're right, Paul. The, the overthrows, as I think about it, that has hindered a lot of what they've wanted to do because guys have been wide open, wide open, running So, so there could be some, some much more significant numbers than there are in the books. Oh, yeah. Well, Josh Heupel was asked about that and said, are you taking solace in the fact that play calls are working, they're just not completing them? And he said, no. <laughs> yeah, that was a good no, answer. Yeah, that probably makes you feel worse when you see yeah. those throws. and Zero is and, next, and it's next not. It, it's not. It hurts you against Pitt, for sure. You win that game. If you, I mean, that game's 24 nothing quickly. Mm-hmm. Tennessee blocks the first punt of the game on a three and out and scores a touchdown, and they're off and rolling. They get another, you know, I think it was 10 to nothing. It should have easily been 21 nothing at that point with the missed throws, and that game's probably over. So it, it's, that's what gets you beat against Missouri, gets you beat against South Carolina, against Kentucky in games that are winnable for Tennessee moving forward. They, the pit game was winnable for Tennessee, and they couldn't complete those throws. So that's, that's going to be a problem. And look, if, they, if there's any chance that they hang around in Florida and make this a four-quarter game, you cannot squander. You might get two or three of those this game. I mean, it's likely to happen. They're going to have something schemed up or someone's going to get behind the defense. They're going to be wide open. And you're going to need to complete those because if not, you're going to get blown out. Yeah, you're never That's getting, how you you're never getting as game. many as you got against Pitt in a single yes. game against a, a, an opponent the caliber of Pitt or better. You're never getting that. And that's how you stay in those games. You don't get blown out by Florida by actually executing that pass and catch. Pitch and catch, if you will. Pitch, Pitch and catch. catch. How was Steve? Did you tell him about me? I did. We, uh, Steve was great. <laughs> He's not. exactly as expected on our Outkick the Tailgate show last week. Did he have on blue week. blockers? I didn't catch it. Didn't have on blue blockers. He had a great tan. I was thinking about you probably said he's always sunburned. Like, he had the perfect tan. He's always sunburned because I he thought. didn't know he, about He sunscreen. was right next to us. He had no sunglasses on, no visor. Hair looked great. He's 76 years old. Came by um, himself. Looked very healthy. Came to the tailgate uh, came, alone. Came, came by himself. Appreciate that. No entourage. I told him the – entourage uh, is on the golf course. And by the way, you can find this interview. We, we've posted as well. But I asked, we, Hutton asked me to tell the story about men to him. Men? And Which I love. We, we had told a story. the story, and he just, he just, yep, yep. That's me. No, I had him. Uh, that was me. It was actually the perfect like answer because he responded by saying, hey, men, yep. amen. Men? Amen, man. He said, sounds like something I would have said. <laughs> I what he said. I, was I find it fascinating. In t- Tennessee goes into this discussion. Uh, the, the apathy for a big rivalry matchup, Tennessee, Florida. You know, the last time Texas really mattered was 2009, which is the last time Tennessee truly mattered, uh, if you go back uh, a decade or so. Sounds recent. Um, but think about the big-time programs from the 90s and early 2000s that are now an afterthought on a college football weekend. And I'm not talking about the – I'm not talking about the um, – one second. The, the teams that have fan bases where you want – to go and attend these games. Like Florida, the place is going to be sold out of the swamp. Um, Chad, but nationally, Florida State, Miami, USC, Texas, uh, Tennessee, Nebraska. um, You know, the the blue blood programs of the 90s and early 2000s, all of these programs are lumped together. And it's tough to say which one's coming out first. And you would have said they would have never gone away. Right in 2009, if we said all of these programs in 2021 are going to be pretty mediocre and looking to dig out, 
we would have all said you're crazy, right? Those programs would never have gone away to this level. That many. Well, of the them. ones that you mentioned there. One of them, maybe. The ones that you mentioned there, Hutton, the, the ones least likely to return ever. Nebraska is number one on that list. Least likely because of geography, geography. and because of just where college football has gone. Uh, Florida State is very likely to return, I would say, based on their geography. Texas, very likely to return. I think Tennessee is probably one of those close to Nebraska that's the least likely to fully return. But you know, Now, th- about- that's also, it's, it's a little bit better because, not a little bit, high school football in Tennessee is way better than Nebraska. So there's a lot more people moving to the mid-state, especially in Nashville. The more and more people, the more and more players, the more chances Tennessee is the in-state big SEC school but, will have at landing those players. Yeah. That will help their chances. With the conference competition? Well, it, it, it's always been – I mean, you look at the history of Tennessee football. You know, Florida sucked for decades. They were nothing. Even when Emmett Smith was at Florida, they were not good. Steve Spurrier won the Heisman at Florida. I think they, they were like 8-3. and three. Mm-hmm. And that was one of their best seasons back in the 60s. They were a, an afterthought in the SEC for years and years and years until Steve Spurrier gets there in, in 1989 or 1990. And then they may, they've been a powerhouse ever since. He found that untapped potential in Florida Gator football. Tennessee's only – they're at their best when Alabama's on probation, when Georgia makes bad coaches, coaching hires, and when there's not Clemson that's successful. Tennessee feasted on Georgia, Atlanta – Florida, when they're bad, on the state of Alabama and recruiting, on North Carolina and South Carolina, when Clemson wasn't a factor. When those programs are fully competent, Kirby Smart at Georgia, Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, Florida's going to continue to hire whoever they want and probably roll right along. It's difficult for Tennessee to pass those And what are the odds two out of three of them are bad at the same time again? All it takes is one bad hire. And I've said this, Alabama is one Nick Saban retirement away from mediocrity. Yeah, how many years can happen. It it can happen to anyone. Everybody thinks they're just going to keep rolling right along. There are are no other Nick Sabans out there. You you can hire someone else and they could still be really good, but there's there's not going to be another Nick Saban. I say that to say Tennessee – has probably they're having to recalibrate what their level of success means in the future. It's not to say they can't ever win a national title or an SEC title again. They can. They've done it before. They can in the future. But it's much more difficult when those programs are humming the way they are. And, I mean, Josh Heupel, I think he's done a nice job. I think he's a nice guy. I think he's a good offensive football coach. Josh Heupel isn't bringing buzz on the recruiting trail. Right now? Well, that, that's a, that leads us to another point of these programs that are trying to dig their way out of the hole uh, where five of the winningest programs from 1990 to 2010 have been very average. And, and that's, that's just being polite with it. Um, Florida State, Miami. Do they, are, are they able to dig out of a recruiting issue where – Everyone points to, well, Florida's the hotbed for recruiting. They can bring it back with the right coach. The problem is they're an afterthought in their own state right now in recruiting. And because Alabama, hot- Clemson, Georgia, they own Florida. And it used to be the reverse. Right. It's been a hotbed of recruiting for these 15 years that they've been gone. It's not like there were no good high school players there all of a sudden, and that's why they got bad. They just got out-recruited in their state, like you're saying. People came in and it took their people. Yeah. Well, and, and, and now, I mean, it's hard to get that back. 
right? I mean, that, that's the, the issue that they're facing. pipelines are established. Right. Well, it's... Now, yeah, that what Chad said could have a bearing on it, right? Saban's career comes to an end, and can the next guy at Alabama recruit Florida the way that he did for so long? That's what you're counting on as, as part of your cure in Florida, as part of your cure at Tennessee, as part of your cure, not in Florida, at Florida State, at Miami. Well, it's also, you know, what, what do you want? Do you want fan base? Do you want proximity to home? Do you want coach? Because just look at the state of Florida, for instance. I mean, if you want fans, you go to Florida. You want money and you <laughs> right? want NFL opportunity, right? Ultimately, but, you know, it, it's... It's different for everybody. You want money. Yes. So NIL. Who's got the best NIL? That's how Tennessee Miami. gets back in it. Miami should have the best NIL. I mean, with their alumni in that city, they're the ones that could be on the cutting edge of this. If it's all about money, Miami's the one that's going to cash in quickest in college football and have a they steady should. rise. Pour but again, if it's, about, into NIL. if it's about fan support and having great atmosphere, then it's Florida. I mean, that's, if you're looking in that state, that, that's, that's got the fan base. Florida State has more fans than Miami. It's, it's all up to the individual. I bring up South Carolina for this reason and, and recruiting buzz, and what does that really mean? Uh, Josh Heupel doesn't have a lot of recruiting buzz right now, and a lot of that is because you know, Tennessee is, um, is under investigation by the NCAA. South Carolina's got a lot of recruiting buzz. Shane Beamer's one that everybody talks about. Boy, he is killing it on the recruiting trail at South Carolina. He's doing a great job. Shane Beamer in South Carolina is 22nd in the country in recruiting. You want to know where Georgia, Alabama, and Florida are located? Georgia's fourth, Alabama's sixth. That's going to change. They'll be one and two mm-hmm. by the end of it. Uh, Florida's 16th. Missouri's 17th for next year. Josh Heupel, who no one talks about in recruiting, under NCAA investigation, is exactly eight spots behind South Carolina, 30th. That's how difficult it is. That's why when Shane Beamer has the rant when asked how you can't run or do anything against Georgia, he throws in a holy obscenity in there, and he says, because they've got 22 five-star players on their defense. Their backups are five stars. He said, it's not that difficult. He said, they have a guy that's 340 and can run better than defensive backs. He said, it's not scheme. It's just they're they're that tough to play against because they're so good. What you And Spurrier hit on this a bit last week with us. What the focus would be in rebuilding and retooling now would be the transfer portal. You know, it's, it's just as important to poach players as it is to recruit players out of high school. Uh, that's where you can really uh, – the, the turnaround can happen faster because of the portal being wide open. That's a huge factor. Well, here. and they're now adding seven spots uh, to your scholarships for transfers where you can add seven transfer spots. That's going to help also. For in terms of rosters being bigger and, and better. And, and that's where, if you want to point to how can a Tennessee turn it around quick? How can South Carolina get good quick? I, I don't think, it's got to be a mix of both. You have to recruit well and bring in guys that you develop. Mm-hmm. But if you hit and you are great in evaluation and bring guys in that fit what you're doing, you can get good quick in the transfer portal. Paul, what was Urban Meyer saying about Alabama? Oh, I hope Jacob has this. Uh, I was just thinking. Um, Urban Meyer continues to say things that annoy the bleep out of me, uh, that just seem to make him seem so unprepared for this transition. I mean, most of the big college coaches that have come to the NFL seem to me to have known completely what they're getting into and known that it's a completely different animal. Yeah. Urban Meyer 
strikes me as a smart guy, but he said things along the way that suggest either he didn't know what he's getting into or he really didn't like what he's getting into, right? I mean, he knows that you're not going to be able to really talk that much to, to uh, free agents before you meet them. And he sure as hell knows what the competition level is. So uh, who is this talking to him here? That is Vic Fangio. Who says, his comment to me was, every week is like playing Alabama in the NFL. He's surprised by this, Urban Meyer? That, that every game is like Alabama week? I mean, I don't know how you read that quote without putting a tone on it of surprise. And so I don't understand why Urban Meyer is surprised that every week is Alabama week in the NFL. And it just annoys the hell out of me. Well, it also, that would be... There are deeper layers to that, though. Urban Meyer is used to having a week to work on things. You know, you you schedule Youngstown State so you can work on things. Well, he'll have a bye week at some point. Well, here's the other thing about Urban Meyer. His players barely practice in the preseason. What would be the biggest criticism of Urban Meyer in the NFL? So far? No, just when he's at Florida or Ohio State or wherever, and and they're talking about hiring him in the NFL, what would be the biggest knock on Urban Meyer? Well, you're not going to have complete control. No. You're not going to have more talented players than everybody else. You know, at Florida, when he says everyone's Alabama, what he's saying is at Florida, that was the only team as talented as us that we played. We could curb stomp everyone else with talent. Ohio State, the same thing. When they got Alabama in the playoff or a national championship game, that was the one team they faced all year that was equal or better in talent. The NFL, everyone you play has talent. And it's close or better. Right now. So it's about coaching. It's about preparation. It's about scheme. It's about everything. First and foremost, it's about players and talent, which Jacksonville doesn't have enough of right now. But that, to me, just reiterates what the criticism of Urban Meyer in the NFL would be, is that you're almost playing into that (laughs) because it's going to be a lot more difficult when you're not playing Illinois. And then after that, you get a a tune-up week against Kent State. Not going to be a lot different in the NFL. Well, he's admitting that. Boy, you know, I didn't realize that you know, every, everyone... You mean that in football, you can play in a situation where you're not more talented than the other team you're playing? All but one week. Boy, that's, it's, it's a lot tougher when, when that happens. And look, I mean, Urban Meyer coached at Bowling Green. He coached at Utah. He's coached at jobs where they didn't always have more talent also. He's pretty far removed He's from a that. very good coach, and he, he knows what he's doing. But I, I don't think that he's surprised by that in the NFL as much as he maybe is just being candid and admitting that to Vic Fangio. doesn't seem like he's got a real touchstone with the Bowling Green, Utah days. Like Florida and Ohio State have put a big buffer between him and the time when it was really hard. But again, like it, at Florida and Ohio State, he had Akron in week three where... To reset. Yeah, I mean... you. You're putting up 52 points, but you're working on certain aspects that build towards Michigan, right? Uh, a completely different animal with what he's doing weekly now, and he's doing it with a rookie quarterback on top of everything else. So it's not like you can lean on experience at the quarterback position to lead you through some difficult times out of the gate for a bad football team overall. And he's about to see this weekend one of the teams that qualifies as the best team in the league, Arizona. And a quarterback, um, I'm not remembering who they played. They played Denver. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater's no Kyler Murray. Well, they played Denver and Houston. They played Houston. Uh, They they ain't seen Kyler Murray yet. 
So this is gonna, uh, they're not just every week as Alabama, but here is a totally different animal uh, in, in seeing a team that's built around <laughs> what, what Arizona's doing. Here's the difficult spot. You know, every week is uh, Alabama now, and he's no longer Florida. Yeah. He's Missouri. <laughs> Welcome to life on the other side, Herb. <laughs> I mean, sorry. Sorry, bud. This is the way it goes for a lot of teams. And look, I bet $5 at a time on FanDuel generally when, when we up it, you know, I up it to 10. I'm betting 50 a week against the Jags until the spread is 10. Let's look at some of those NFL spreads when we come back. We'll preview week three across the National Football League on OutKick 360. Interesting divisional matchups this week across the NFL. Titans and Colts here in Music City. OutKick 360 rolls on from Nashville and 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beard, Old Smoky Moonshine. Another divisional matchup, Chiefs and Chargers. Sunday afternoon in Kansas City. And uh, just looking through a couple of other uh, big matchups this weekend, guys. Bengals, Steelers. uh, Steelers losing last week at home to the Raiders. Uh, The Bengals losing and Joe Burrow not playing well in week two after a nice week one performance. Uh, The Bears got after him. And now he faces that Steelers defense on the road. And what could be a pivotal week? For a lot of teams, I think it's a pivotal week for Cincinnati because they get a chance to get a leg up and a win back against Pittsburgh after Pittsburgh fell last week in the I would, AFC. I would expect Burrow to be better. I don't know that Cincinnati's good enough yet to 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 beat uh, Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, um, but I, I think Cincinnati's better than it was last week, and I think Burrow's certainly better than he was last week. Well, whenever you start having pectoral injuries and Ben Roethlisberger says yeah, he can't bad. remember. No, the, the key here is he doesn't know when it happened. That's a sign of aging. It's like getting out of bed and pulling your hamstring. Well, that's what I was telling you about why I'm not into Pittsburgh this year is because I feel like he's right, he, the, right the, the there. Thi- yeah, I agree with you. But the thing about Big Ben is he has always fought through always. and battled those always. issues and they win. But two years ago, he didn't. Two years ago, it got to him, right, when he missed virtually the whole year, and they were going with Hodges. And, yeah, he had that elbow and, issue. Yeah. So just, he, they, uh, I had this topic during the offseason. They were limiting him to, what was it, 90 passes of practice, something yeah, like that something during training low. camp. And I, I think the average, would a, an average quarterback in a practice would throw the football at least 300 times, probably more. If you're getting first-team reps, you're getting a lot of toss in. And they're limiting... Roethlisberger, he's not throwing this week with the, the pec injury. So they're already going through this process with him, trying to maintain what he can and can't do. I don't know if you guys ever have a team that you want to be good each year at the start of the year. Mine's Cincinnati. Yeah, I want them to be good. I want them to be good. I want to invest in Joe Burrow. I want to want to watch Cincinnati games and that team and what they're building. Um, Got to be better than what we saw against Chicago. And this is, Hutton, you said the word pivotal about this week. I mean, this is huge for them and how they fare uh, against Pittsburgh. I and mean, that, that's a team that, I don't know if you guys have an example when you're watching that you're almost rooting for them to improve because you think they've got an interesting dynamic or a quarterback you want to see more from. That team for me is Cincinnati. We're also boys with Zach Taylor. The longer Zach Taylor stays in that job, the better. He gave me his phone number at the combine. Now, I guy. have no idea what notebook that phone number is in, and I never found it after tearing up my office. 
which is not a good way to go about establishing long-time connections with head coaches who might go back to being coordinators. But somewhere, he gave me his phone number. Former Nebraska like quarterback. to stay employed. Zach Taylor, if you go to follow Message Board Geniuses, which is one of my favorite <laughs> follows, you will see that the number one trending topic when Scott Frost in Nebraska lost to Illinois was go hire Zach Taylor, which I laugh because I'm thinking you go from one former Cornhusker quarterback who was wildly successful as a college coach to go hire another former Nebraska quarterback who has not been successful as an NFL coach. So if you got it wrong with a successful college coach, now go hire an NFL coach who hasn't done as well. Well, it's funny, too. He's with probably. He played in Nebraska. Not from Nebraska. Would we rank Cincinnati the most patient organization, the second most patient? The the Jags, The Jags and the Bengals. Most patient bad organization in the NFL in terms of hiring and firing. Marvin Mm. Lewis was there forever. Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell – not quite as long, but it's hard to get fired by those two franchises. Am I forgetting somebody well, it's else? It's hard to get fired by cheap organizations yeah. that don't, don't want to pay you better. out your, your exactly. contract. It's less about patience and more about being overly frugal. But Zach Taylor you know, hasn't had a lot to work with in his time there either. He's got a great receiving core now. Needs another year for offensive line. You know, Burrow well, he, got hurt. Zach Taylor wants his offensive identity to be the run game. That he... He's made no, uh, it's How no, it's no Joe secret. Mixon? Joe Mixon uh, was drafted in 2017. And right now, he's the second leading rusher in the NFL he's behind Derek Henry. only 25. I felt like he was older than that. But the, so they're, it, they're fine there. Well, uh, they were fine until last week. And they held know? him to 65 yards rushing, I think, last week well, uh, in Chicago. Joe Burrow's not the only guy that needs a better offensive line. You guys ready for a big breaking news alert from Field Yates right now? Hit yeah. us. The Colts are working out Isaiah Wilson, that oh. offensive tackle. First-round pick of the Titans in 2020 has not – this is his first workout since being let go by the Dolphins. This don't, coming down – Don't waste your time. Eight minutes ago from Field Yates. How about that? Did he cut his rap album, or is that still in the works? Or is it a follow-up to the first one? Man, I, There's I, just in-between projects for Isaiah Wilson? <laughs> Paul's immediately trying to get his tweet out. Here's my tweet. Interesting use of time. Well, they're. I mean, the thing about uh, Indy is they are as banged up on the offensive line as the Titans are. They are. So they're just grasping. I mean, do, do, can, oh, Eric Fisher do we think that bad. Isaiah Wilson stayed in shape? No. Hell during no. this time? Like, I, just, I really want to be there for the workout. By stayed in, you mean stayed in the bad shape that he was in? Exactly. I, just, I really want to be there for the workout to see just how bad a shape he's in. Like, can he walk from one end of the football field to the other without being completely spent? Uh, look, there's no harm in looking at a guy and then saying, no, he's not for us. But the odds of Isaiah Wilson, look – of all of the things where you'd say, I'll believe it when I see it, Isaiah Wilson's got to be at the top of the list. I believe Isaiah Wilson's fit to play in the NFL after I – not just fit, I mean fit in multiple levels there. I'll believe it after I see him play, say, half dozen games that he can be a capable NFL player. It didn't take the Dolphins long to figure out they didn't need him. What was it, uh, three days? Yeah, three, four like, days. He reported and – well, he didn't report on time. I said, guys, uh, I think he didn't report on time and he got cut. <laughs> that was a quick announcement of making a mistake. 
why they didn't give up. I mean, they didn't give up very much for it, but still, it's like I don't. I don't think this is going to work. Would they swap seventh rounders, or they? Swap I, hey, the I know. I know how I said I could fix this guy. That it was me that could fix him, but yeah, I no. was very, very wrong when I said that. They realized he couldn't block on an extra point. <laughs> That's one of, my, uh, one of the best clips of game video I ever recorded with my iPhone. I take a lot of pride in that. I getting want up that. close to the TV, getting the glare just right. You know how you have to angle so that the glare doesn't hit. It's fun. I um, watched you. That was not fun. It still makes me. I don't know if bitter is the right word, but I think the Titans just gave themselves absolution. Like, yeah, he wasn't the same guy that he was that we drafted. Coming up, headlines of the day across the NFL and college football. Bobby Carpenter joins us today at four twenty as well. 520 Eastern on Outkick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.